After really good returns in 2018 and a strong start to the 2019 year for performance for both the global frontiers as well as the Africa frontier strategies, we saw uh, we saw some of those returns get given up in the second quarter of this last year. Joining me to actually discuss the events of the first half of the year and, more importantly, provide us with an outlook on what we're seeing from the frontier markets going forward is Coronation's Portfolio Manager, Peter Lejeur. Welcome, Pete, um, and thanks for joining me. Hi, Kirshny. It's great to be here. Let's start first with the the Africa frontier markets, Um, and I suppose uh, even for the global frontier, we know that a big part of what happened in quarter two related to Zimbabwe, where we saw um, the formal introduction of a local currency market and an end to the multi-currency regime that resulted in the local equity market in Zimbabwe going up 66%. But before anybody could get too excited, most of that was completely eked away by the currency return in dollars and the fact that liquidity out the country has been really, really difficult. Maybe as investors in that market, and we have been for over a decade, provide us with an update on the Zimbabwe situation. So Zim has dominated our fund horizon more so than than most. It's a large exposure in in the Africa strategy, and it also has some some place in our global frontier strategy. I'm hoping after this quarter it'll be far less center stage, because I think as as an economy and relative to the opportunity set, it's created a huge amount of noise. And we are now seeing some very interesting moves by the central bank in terms of trying to find a way forward. It's, it's been a tricky one for us. We've historically had to try and fair value it, and we've put in numbers where we feel it's appropriate in terms of valuing the businesses and the exposure. And with the return to a local currency, you know, we felt it was appropriate to look at this a lot more closely, and we moved from fair value to realizable value. And there's a very big difference where, it, on a realizable approach, the view was taken what level of pricing would we need to use if we wanted to sell our full holding in Zimbabwe? And, and we think that that's a fair approach for long-term investors in the fund and for pricing. So what have we seen in-country? I think it's a fascinating exercise. I and mean, we spoke to the General Secretary of, of the Finance Ministry there. And in his words, you know, he said that this is a, a fairly big gamble for them by way of an experiment. But one where I think they're going about it in a very coherent manner. And, and, and what they're doing is they've introduced a local currency. It first came in at 2.5 to the dollar. It wasn't floating. And more recently, they're pushing hard to float the currency and to eliminate all alternative channels, including the old mutual um, London inward listing opportunity and also clamping down a lot on black market rates. So what we've seen is the, the in-country rate moved to around 8.5 to the dollar and a black market rate of about 10. So we've not seen that level of convergence for a very long time. So that is very promising in my view. How liquid it is, hard to say. We're not seeing that kind of depth. And then just by way of a sanity check, the level that we're using is 25 to the dollar on a, for a realizable level, which we think is more than conservative for, for our valuation. So, I mean, just to, to clarify for listeners, what we have done, therefore, is uh, valued the Zimbabwe assets in our strategy at what we believe to be a realizable value, taking into account the liquidity in, in the currency, and that we would hope that over the next few years, as things improve within the country, that we see those assets being revalued upwards over time. But let's move away from Zimbabwe, and let's actually go on to what else is in the portfolio, and uh, and in particular, what's what areas are we getting excited? about at the moment? So at the moment, it's a bit like asking me to choose who's my favorite child. 
If I look at our, our top 10 exposure, it's been a long time since we've seen as much upside to, to fair value. You know, so for the Africa strategy, our weighted upside is around 90%, and for Global Frontiers, it's 94%. Those are, are big numbers to upside for us. And just on simple metrics, like a forward price earnings, they're both in, in single digits, the one trading around 9 in, in Africa and in Global around 9.6. So these are are deep value opportunities in our view. The nice thing about it, though, while it's deep value, the growth rates that we're seeing for a lot of these businesses look very, very attractive. And there are a number of different geographies. I mean, Egypt, something that we've been excited about for a long time. You know, we've got QMB Akhali, the largest listed bank by way of book. You know, he has a business that it's trading on a, a forward P of less than six times at close to price to book and growing earnings at around 25%. So, Value, valued almost on a distressed level, yet growing very strongly in an economy that's now growing at 6% overall GDP. So that's, that's very exciting. Other markets that are looking a lot more distressed, and again, interesting, I mean, Nigeria would be top of mind. Nigeria has come back a lot. Um, it's had its election, it's taking a long time, deciding on who's going to be in cabinet. A fair degree of intervention steps being taken by the central bank to try and drive local lending into SMEs and, and, and retail. So a little bit of discomfort around that, but you know something that we've been buying recently is Nigerian breweries. Now, Nigerian breweries at its peak had a market cap of over $8 billion. This has now come back to just over a $1 billion. So you're buying the leading brewer in a country of 200 million people at pretty much replacement value to the kit that they've got on the ground. And that is not something you get to do very often. Profitability has been under pressure. There's been a, a big local price war with ABI. But we do think it's starting to stabilize. And when that happens and pricing starts to be a lot more um, sane, we, th- we think that you know, profitability will return. And, and this is a great window to be able to buy a, a leading franchise. Um, and Pete, maybe just to explore, but we talked about what cost us um, and the fund in Zimbabwe, we're out of country Zimbabwean assets, Zimplants, has actually done extremely well for, for the fund being one of its top contributors. Can you walk us through that? So Zimplants is one of the favorite children. Um, if, you, if you look at it, I mean, here to date, it's, it's come through very strongly. So most of Zimbabwe has been a massive performance attractor because of the write-down, whereas Zimplants, listed in Australia, has been, I think, either our top or second top um, contributed to the six-month performance. And this is a business which, it's a great dollar revenue earner. It's right at the low end of the cost curve. It's one of the biggest contributors to Forex and to GDP in Zimbabwe. So the government treats it with great respect um, and, and has been very fair in its handling. And we think, you know, going forward with palladium prices where they are, because it's a, it's a much richer palladium producer, its profitability and growth profile looks great. And you, you know, if I look at the valuation here, it's on a four times earnings and it's paying a dividend in excess of 10% in hard currency, if you call the Australian dollar a hard currency, which I think you should, relative to what we see across the continent. So a great business um, with, with, I think, a, great, with a promising future and government is a lot friendlier than what it has been in the past, where the, the indigenization level requirement has been waived to, to a degree. The tax on exports has also been changed uh, or, or delayed. So a lot, of, a lot of positive tailwinds for a business which is still trading at a, at a distressed level. And that must be welcome news because this has been a, a long holding in the fund to see exactly that sort of potential realised. It finally is doing, it's doing well for us. 
Maybe moving uh, across the continent and one of the new buys in the strategy over the last quarter, Dragon Capital's Vale Fund. Can you talk us through yeah, that? Yes, so, I mean, that is an interesting one. Vietnam is a great story. So, you know, if you look at most global frontiers funds, they have a very large exposure to Vietnam. There's a huge amount of capital out there that's happy to buy into Vietnam and support it. And I wouldn't poo-poo the, the macro story. It's got you know, it's had many years now of high GDP growth and has been run well as a country. The sad thing for the likes of us is that ratings on most businesses reflect those high prices. And the few businesses that we really like, there's this annoying characteristic of a foreign ownership limit. So as a foreigner to buy it, you've got to, buy, you've got to find another foreigner willing to sell it. And in a fairly dark market where it's difficult to get clear price discovery, you pay this big premium and then you wait for three months for the paperwork to all happen and then even then you can get gazumped and it doesn't go through. So, you know, I'm whining a bit here, but it's not an easy process for us to get our hands on the stocks we like. So part of the reason for buying Vale, which is a closed-end mutual fund that holds Vietnamese stocks, the stocks within it we like a lot. We can get access to them at a discount overall on, in terms of the mutual structure. And they're holding the stocks at current prices, so they're not using this foreign ownership premium. So we get a great opportunity here to get access to what we like at a discount without the three-month hassle and all the admin that goes around it. And hence, that now has become our second largest position um, in the portfolio, where we think what they own is very attractive. And maybe just to give us a flavor, you say that uh, the fund holds some of the, uh, the, the stocks that you like in Vietnam. Um, an example of, of one of these, maybe? So the, the largest position in Vail is, is a business called Mobile World, MWG. Now, it started off as an electronics, primarily cell phone shop, where you'd go and you'd buy whatever current cell phone you'd, you, know, you, you had your fancy for. And they grew this business very, very quickly, very successfully. And so in terms of retail experience, they've demonstrated a, a decent understanding. The founder of the business, we think, is a very solid operator. And what he's decided to do is to try and formalize food retail in Vietnam. That's a market that's still totally open, very little representation in terms of a decent franchise offering on food retail. So it's still very much market-driven. And it's a business we spent a lot of time trying to understand the vertical supply chain of food in Vietnam. So we had 4 a.m. market trips to try and understand where all the fresh food comes from and the produce and how challenging the logistics of something like this would be. And then when sitting with, this, with the founder, you know, quite refreshing to see how well he understood this and thought through this and the sizes and the strategy that they would need to, to break into this. And we think very ambitious, but so far execution has been perfect. I mean, we can't fault it, um, given the scale. And it's a business that we're excited about. And, and we've spent a long time trying to buy directly into it. But again, this challenge of this foreign ownership limit has just you know, consistently been in the way of, of building our position. And so this has been a, a much easier way of doing it. Um, and, and, and it's an example of a stock that we're quite excited about. So, I mean, if I'm just hearing correctly, some really, really exciting opportunities that we are looking at in the portfolio, nice new names. We've got uh, what we believe upside of, of 90% and above, which we think compensates for the inherent risks around, but some really, really attractive valuation opportunities. Any last yeah, words? I, think, I, mean, I think that, that sums it up very well. And I mean, the one 
data point or you know things we keep returning to is you know coronation as a 25 year old business started out when a lot of the massive emerging markets that we see today were the size of these frontier markets 25 years ago so china india brazil you know there were also minnows like less than one percent of, of total global indices that's exactly where you see global frontiers today but these are big countries you know pakistan 200 million people Bangladesh, 160, Nigeria, 200 million people, yet very few big businesses of over a billion dollar market cap. So we think, okay, 25 years is a very patient investor, but we hope to see returns um, well before that. Super. Thank you very much, Pete.